we're going to talk a little bit about um, a journey of obedience. That's the title of the teaching today. But I want to just bring your memories back. Do you remember that last fall I asked you a question about a little lemon tree? Remember that? I had a lemon tree. I brought it in here and I said, if you could keep this lemon tree alive for one year, we would give you, what, a billion dollars or whatever. And if it produced fruit, and if you did, would you change everything? Would you organize your life differently to take care of that? Well, let me let you know, it's a new year now, right? And my tree survived the brutal winter of those four or five days around Christmas. <laughs> it survived it. And I have a picture of it right here. This is my tree now. Look at that. That is not my tree. Okay. That is not my tree. But we talked about what would you do? Would you organize your life differently if someone were to give that to you? And we're talking about discipleship because discipleship is the most invitation, the most amazing invitation in the world to walk with Jesus, growing in his likeness and leading others towards Christ. True Christianity has always had a vital connection between what we say and the way that we act. Our actions, what we believe, and what we think are connected. Have you ever heard this saying, you are what you eat? Have you ever heard that? Well, I'm telling you, it's not true. Because if it was true, I'd be a candy bar, okay? It's not true. We are not what we eat. In Proverbs 23, 7, it says this, For as he thinks within himself, so he is. And there's an inseparable bond between belief and our behavior. What we believe and how we behave, there's inseparable, okay? So we are not what we eat, but we are what we think. And what we see in this verse is probably a person that's possibly saying one thing, and doing something completely opposite. Their heart is in a different area than where their mouth is, or their actions in their life. They're completely different. Their heart is in a different place. Have you ever seen that? Let me ask you this. Have you ever done that? Have you ever said one thing, and then your actions show something completely different? Well, we've all faced that. And what do we do? What do we believe? We believe what's in our heart. And the thoughts and the inclinations of the heart shape are the reality of who we are. What we believe will shape our thinking, which will ultimately shape our actions. And Jesus is saying to us today, I want you to be with me. I want you to be like me. I want you to learn the way that I do things. I want you to live the way that I live. I'm going to train you to be on mission for me. Becoming a disciple requires an unwavering commitment. It requires discipline. We have to be disciplined in our walk. We have to train ourselves in our walk. And we must train as disciples to be disciplined. In 1 Timothy 4, 7, it says this, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. 
Just like the saying, you are what you eat. That's an old wives' tale. That's not true. We must translate our learning into living and show by our daily lives that we trust in God's word, that we trust God. So how do we do that? Church, how do we do that to show that? As we trust and follow Jesus as our Lord, and that's a key word for us, as our Lord, because we all like the Savior, right? Our greatest need was forgiveness, and He's our Savior, but is He our Lord? Our Lord and our Savior. But the Holy Spirit will teach us and train us. So how do we train ourselves? Well, we refocus. And this is the time of year, the first of the year, that we're making resolutions, we're changing things, right? Well, what we need to do is we need to refocus our minds this new year, make the adjustments, and what? Focus and keep our eyes on Jesus. We keep our eyes on Jesus and our walk with him. In Colossians 3, 2, it says this, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. We need to refocus our minds and set it on things that are above, and that's Jesus. We keep our eyes focused on Jesus. It's clear that to set our minds on things that are above, this means expressing the priorities of God's kingdom during our everyday earthly activities. On everything that we do, our daily walk with the Lord. It's always been God's plan to dwell with his people, right? It's always been, but it also is his people with a teachable spirit eager to be changed and grow to be like Christ, to be disciples, to be disciplined in their discipleship, seeking the kingdom of God first and focusing on Jesus. Then after we refocus, what do we do then? We refill our minds. And what do we refill them with? We refill them with God's word. We refill them with the word of God. And I've had people say, well, Craig, you uh, don't know what's going on in my mind. All these thoughts, all these things that are happening, these negative things that the enemy's doing. And you're right, I don't know. But I know God does. And I know that when those thoughts are there, how do we get rid of them? We refill it with God's word. For God so loved the world he sent his son so none of us would perish. We claim his promises. We live by the promises of God, not the explanations of the world. And that's how we do it. We refill our minds with God's character, who he is, his love for each and every one of us. And then we renew our minds daily. In Romans 12, it says this, do not conform to the patterns of this world. We act and behave out of what we believe. As we start to see ourselves as God sees us, it's easier for us to believe and live the way God wants us to as we trust in God. We trust his words. And we say to God, God, I want you to change me. Make me more like Jesus each and every day. Remember the seven disciplines that we brought to you in the fall that we had talked about? Well, today, we're going to introduce to you, it's called a spiritual reflection tool to help us in our walk in discipleship. It's to look inside our life and see where we are with our walk with God. 
And Jesus taught us this and the apostles as well, but the true measure of a person's faith is not found in what he or she professes as much as it is in their lifestyle and their walk with the Lord as we trust God. And God's word is clear that it's the condition of your heart. It's critical for our walk with the Lord. In Proverbs 3, 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. It is about our heart condition. Our theology and our Christian conduct go hand in hand. Faith expresses itself in obedience. And that's the title of our teaching today, A Journey of Obedience. It's a practical application for Christian living. As Jesus is our Lord and our Savior. That's the key. We make him Lord of our life. Lord of every area of our lives. Not the saying, well, you're the Lord of this part, but not this. We're not buffet Christians. We don't pick and choose what God's word says. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans 12, verse 1. And it says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So if you've been in church for a while, you know when that word therefore, it's there for a reason, right? And it is there for a reason because it's crucial for us to seeing how our relationship is with God. We're to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. What does that mean, a living sacrifice? Well, Jesus was the perfect example of a living sacrifice. He was holy and pleasing to God. And this is how we should be living. But how do we do this? How do we do that? How do we live a life that's holy and pleasing to God? And before we deal with specific examples of Christian conduct, Paul gives us a principle that should guide all of our actions. Christians are to be present, present their lives, their total being, everything they are, the total of their existence to God is an act of worship. We give our bodies over completely to God as an act of worship. Lord, you have my heart. I won't hold anything back from you. Have my body as well. Paul's appeal for this dedication of our bodies is a call for a total commitment of ourselves. It's a total commitment to be disciplined. In Proverbs 4.23, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. It's an important truth that the it is involvement of our hearts. We have to have our hearts in there. It's our heart condition. A living sacrifice, our body, our mind, our soul, and our heart. In Mark 12, 30, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and your total strength. It's a total commitment to God. It's a living sacrifice. Remember in the Old Testament, what they were doing is they were giving right animals as a sacrifice, dead animals for a sacrifice. We're to give a living sacrifice our bodies. Christians are to continually give life to God. Give the gift that keeps on giving. It's spiritual worship. And this also can be translated as a reasonable service. 
a reasonable service to the Lord. And that's one of the seven disciplines that we talked about. It was talking about serving the Lord, joining a serve team, our reasonable service to the Lord. True worship has little to do with what comes out of our mouth. True worship is all about what comes out of our lives. It's about what our lives say who we are. Have you ever heard this saying, when in Rome, do as the Romans do? You ever heard that? It's a pretty popular saying. It's out there, right? And this phrase is used a lot today. It's about accommodations or our surroundings where we're at. And this is what the world wants you to think about the Christian lifestyle. But Paul's going to tell us something different. He's going to tell us something that's opposite. And he'll remind the people that they should not live as their fellow Romans are doing. Let's be real for a moment. You know, the test of your character, your true character, is not what you do when you're at church or when you're around your house, right? The test of your character comes when you're 100 miles away from home. And you're in that hotel room and you want to flip on that movie or you want to do something. And you think to yourself, well, nobody's watching, right? Nobody sees it. God sees you. God sees you and he knows And that's why it's called a journey of obedience because that's how we're supposed to live. We live differently than other people. We live disciplined. You know, you may not like this, but do you know you're peculiar people? I've said that before because we are peculiar people, right? In 1 Peter 2.9, in the King James Version, it says this, But ye are chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. We're peculiar because we live differently than what the world does. We don't live like the world. We live for Christ. It's not about the world. We're called to live differently. And then in verse 2, it says this, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The world wants to control your mind, but God wants to transform it. He wants to transform your mind. And it's easy to let the world's way of thinking creep into our lives. Just like when in Rome, do as the Romans, right? Don't conform to the patterns of the world. That's Satan's desire, that we would conform to the world's system and that he would be able to use us for that. J.B. Phillips says it like this, I don't care what the world is doing. I'm not going to let it squeeze me into its mold. Amen? We're not going to be squeezed into the mold of the world. We're going to be transformed. We should be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So what is renewing of our mind? In Ephesians 4:23 it says to be made new in the attitude of our minds. It's spending time with Jesus, spending time in his word. That's how we renew our mind. We're called to be different. We're called to allow the power of God's word to renew our mind on a daily basis, spending time with him. The scriptures were not given for information. They were given for our transformation. D.L. Moody said that. It's not about the information, what we know, but it's how we live. It's a life that's transformed by the word of God. 
And as Christ followers, we're to live a life that's been radically and totally changed because of our encounter with Jesus Christ. Amen? We're to be changed because of that, transformed into the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this transformation allows us as believers to have an attitude of gratitude, and it allows us to live differently than the world does. And as we do this, we'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. In 1 John 2.17, it says this, And this world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. You remember, the things of this world will fade away. We came into this world with nothing, and we're going to leave it with nothing. But when we believe and receive Jesus Christ into our lives, we will leave this world with eternal life. And we will spend eternity with him in heaven. And remember, when we get to heaven, heaven is not the prize. Jesus is the prize. It's not about being in heaven. It's being with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in heaven. That's the prize. And the will of God is not a mystery, but a reality to us. The reality is there's a better way for us to live our lives. And we talked about that, the vision of the church, which is discipleship. All of us are disciples. To live in community together, to be united with other believers. And we find this in Acts 2.42. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts 2.42 right now. And it reminds us of the seven disciplines as we plan and we train. The church has been planning, we've been praying, and now we're ready to implement and the word said, and if you know this, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. We've planned, and we don't want to fail because we want to follow Christ. This is God's plan for discipleship. And it's a reminder of what a disciple is. I put it up on the screen. Someone dedicated to following Jesus together with other disciples. We do this together. We do this in unity with other believers, gathering to worship, joining a group, joining a serve team. So as we turn to Acts 2.42, what does Acts 2.42 tell us? It tells us a little bit about the disciplines, but this verse summarizes the daily life of the early Christians' community in Jerusalem. These verses will give us some guidelines and structures for Christian living. It's not about what we can accomplish on our own because Jesus says this, follow me daily. He's saying, surrender to me. And we say, Jesus, I surrender everything to you completely. It's not about what we can do, but it's what about the Holy Spirit can do through us. The power of the Holy Spirit. It's a summons for us to lose our life and to find new life and ultimate joy in him. In Acts 2.42, if you have your Bibles, it says this, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. They were disciplined. They were disciplined. It says devotion. And devotion to the Lord means devoted to the teaching of God's Word. They had a devotion to that. They were devoted to corporate 
worship. These are part of our seven disciplines. It's spending time with Jesus in Scripture and gathering to worship like we did this morning. Don't ever forsake the gathering of worship. Coming together united with one voice singing to our Lord who is worthy of that. And then it says, And all came over every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were t- together and had all things in common. And we see in that verse, it's community. It's community, and that was one of the dis- disciplines that we had. To connect with our community and groups. They were connecting. They were united with other believers. And then it says, And they were selling their possessions, and they belonged and distributed the proceeds to all as they had needed the freedom that they had. You know, we can get rid of those addictions, those hang-ups, and we can be free because whom the sun sets free is free indeed, right? And we have support groups to help you with that. But remember, it's freedom from what the world says. It's the freedom of the things that we have in the world. Our freedom comes from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then it says, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. It's all about our hearts. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. They were on mission. One of our disciplines, living on missions. It's about the people that we come in contact when we walk our dog when we walk down the street or that person that we just look over to the fence to, do we share the love of Christ with them? Are we on mission for Christ always? It's about our daily walk with our Lord. You know, this passage is easy to understand in the terms of the picture that it describes. The challenge comes in discerning how do we apply it. How do we apply these We're called to walk as Jesus walked day by day as we walk in obedience in our faith, that journey of obedience. But the Holy Spirit will produce in us the character of Jesus Christ. He'll produce those fruits in us, and we know what those fruits are. We've seen them, love, joy, peace, and patience, kindness. But the question was, how do we apply? How do we apply this in our life? The early church set the example that we should follow. Being committed to the fellowship of other believers. This looks at how our fellowship, making disciples, is done through loving and caring worship and groups. Being connected in worship and being connected in groups. Remember that we follow because of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit. God's power in our lives. God does the heavy lifting here. We don't. He does the heavy lifting. And God is way more committed to this than what we are. Isn't he? And we're so thankful for that, that he is faithful to each and every one of us. But we have a part to play. We have a part. And those parts for us are spiritual disciplines. We have a part to play. John Ortberg said it like this, spiritual transformation is not a matter of trying harder, but of training wisely. We need to train ourselves wisely, training to make disciples. Now, making disciples, that's what we're doing, right? 
Because in Matthew, Matthew, it says, Jesus said, go and make disciples. We're called to make disciples. Dallas Willard said this, his comment, he said this about making disciples. He said, since making disciples is the main task of every church, every church ought to be able to answer two questions. And the first question is, what is your plan for making disciples? And the second one, is your plan working? Those are two great questions, right? Great questions. What is our plan for making disciples? Remember the seven disciplines? We talked about those last fall. I'm going to put those up on the screen. These are the seven disciplines that we talked about. That is our plan. That is the plan how we develop and grow as Christ followers. These seven disciplines. That's the plan that we have. But there's also another question. How do you know it's working? And today we're going to introduce to you a spiritual reflection tool. It's a tool that you can look and see where you're at in your walk. It's not about your neighbors. It's not about anybody else. It's a self-reflection into your life and your walk, your relationship with God. And we're going to introduce that to you today. We have a short video from Pastor Dave Folkers, our senior pastor. We're going to watch that, and then we're going to talk about that. Hi, everyone. As pastors and as a church, we are here to help people grow spiritually. And we call that process discipleship. It's what Jesus did. He called people to become a disciple. And a disciple is really someone who is dedicated to following Jesus along with other disciples. I like what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. He says, Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. So how do we train ourselves to be godly? Well, as a church leadership, we have looked at developing seven disciplines to help us grow spiritually. Disciplines that we feel like are part of discipleship. And we have a self-reflection tool that you can use to evaluate where you're at and what areas maybe you could grow in. You'll see those seven disciplines such as gather to worship, spending time with Jesus, uh, connecting in community, fighting for freedom, joining a serve team, living on mission, and investing your resources. Those seven areas we feel like are ways that you can grow in your discipleship. And we're here to help you. So as you go through this self-reflection tool, we're going to ask that you identify one or two areas that you feel like this is maybe a weaker area in my life I need to grow in. And then we're going to have some very tangible things that you can put into practice in your life to help you grow in those areas. Uh, This survey that is part of this uh, self-reflection tool is something that will come back to us in aggregate. We will have nobody's individual results, but we just want to see where we're at as a church. And you can use it to see what steps can you do to help yourself grow uh, that training in godliness that the Apostle Paul talks about. So, And if you need anybody to help you grow spiritually, we as pastors, as church leaders, we're here to help you do that. So... God bless. All right. 
So we're going to talk a minute about that. I'm going to put the seven disciplines back up. And uh, I just want you to know as we look at these seven disciplines and we talk about this spiritual reflection tool, I want you to make one thing very clear. It's not an obligation that you do this. This is an invitation. This is an invitation for you to take a look at yourself. It's an opportunity for you to pray and reflect on your walk with the Lord. And all of us need to do that. And the Holy Spirit will speak to us through that, and he'll give us our next steps. And also, you're going to get an email with the results and what are some of the next steps that you can do. You can also reach out to the pastors. But I want us to make a couple things clear about this. All of us are in different seasons of our lives. We're all in different walks with the Lord. And God has made each one of us differently. And God is inviting each one of us to walk with him. And these disciplines are the way that we do it. And this spiritual reflection tool is a way for us to look at ourselves and where we are in our walk. And not everyone's relationship with Jesus looks the same. Your path to being a disciple may not be the same as your neighbor's, and that's okay. It's not about your neighbor. It's about you, where you're at with your walk. As we look at this reflection tool, it will give us a good look at our spiritual walk. And each one of us will be able to discover our unique place within the body of Christ. And the church becomes built up and equipped as we do this. And we're doing this because we have the greatest invitation in the world. And that's to walk with Jesus, to be his disciples. Remember, we're all peculiar, right? We're all different. We don't live the way the world does. We live completely differently because we live with our eyes focused on our Lord, on mission for Him, to tell people and show them the love of Christ because our goal is to take as many people as we can to heaven with us, right? That's what we want. Each and every one of us want to do that. And I want to give you an opportunity today that if you don't know the Lord, if you don't have that relationship with him and you're not on mission and you feel peculiar, but not in the right way, <laughs> peculiar for the Lord, I want to give you that opportunity to receive Jesus Christ into your heart for the first time today. Or if you've backslidden and you feel like I've just uh, let things go, I haven't been to where I should be in my walk and now the Holy Spirit's nudging me. And this self-reflection tool will help me look at who I am in Christ and where I am in my walk. I want to give you an opportunity this morning to receive Jesus. So if you'll bow your heads and just pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. That's our greatest need is to be forgiven. And I believe that you died for my sins and rose from the dead. And I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and my life as my Lord and my Savior. I want to trust you and follow you. Take complete control of my life and help me walk in your footsteps daily by the power of the Holy Spirit to produce a lasting fruit in my life, to glorify you and advance your kingdom living to be on mission for your glory. Thank you, Lord, for saving me and answering my prayers. Amen.